The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show seven days a week from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, myself and Tommy Dreamer talk about the greatest families in the history of pro wrestling. And to help us with the conversation, Natalia will join us here on the Busted Open Podcast. Also, formerly Curtis Axel, Joe Henning will join us right here on the Busted Open Podcast. We're joined by the foundation of the women's division, future Hall of Famer, Natalia joins us here on Busted Open. Natalia, good morning. And what are you doing in Saudi Arabia today? So WWE is opening up a huge, like, it's it's almost like a theme park here. And, um, you know, you can build your own superstar and you can walk down a ramp and you can see what Gorilla is like. It's all basically a simulated show, but like for a fan to walk through and to be a part of, it's almost like a, an experience without actually even being at a show. It's It's like a museum, but like a theme park combined. So it's really cool. They've been working on it for months and it's a um, it's from what I understand, it's nearly a billion dollars for them to put this together wow. in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And it's it's all basically just dedicated to WWE, the history, the, you know, the 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 theme of um, like, for example, there's Undertaker's graveyard and there's like there's a um, there's a like a ramp that you walk down so you can feel what it's like to be a superstar walking out to the ring and there's an actual WWE ring and there's all these different um, like themes that they have so I'm excited to see it I, I love you know I love this kind of stuff and I think it's really cool that uh, Saudi Arabia is celebrating the men and women of WWE is there the get to hit your finish on Tommy Dreamer because every WWE <laughs> superstar did uh, yes Oh, that's and good. That's good attraction. That we are extra excited about. <laughs> you know, one of the reasons you talked about history, one of the reasons we wanted to get you on this morning is the history with you and how long you've been with the WWE, but also with your family, with your dad, your third generation superstar. So I'm just interested, like, was there a time in your life where you were like, the last thing I want to do is be a professional wrestler and then when did it click for you that you wanted to be a superstar? I I was always fascinated by my family. I think I was like even when my when my dad was part of WWE back in the 80s, 
I always wanted to see what it was that he was doing. I always wanted to kind of like, I felt, I always knew it was cool. Like even when I was going to school and I'd be on the bus and kids would be like, your dad's a WWE wrestler. And I always just felt like it was very special. It was something from a very, like, I can't remember, I cannot remember a moment in my life where my family wasn't talking about wrestling watching wrestling surrounded by wrestling it just it was like from my grandfather Stu Hart who had a wrestling ring in his backyard um of course they, my grandfather made his own rings he had one in his yard and then we had the dungeon in, in the basement of the house of the Hart house it, there was just never a moment in my life that I wasn't surrounded by it and then when I was a teenager um and I was into acting and I wanted to be a model and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do and I liked I, I was in theater in high school and and of course, I was always intrigued by the industry. But my dad, when I was growing up, he was very protective of my sisters and I being a part of it because back in the 80s, there wasn't a lot of women's wrestling. There was Miss Elizabeth, Sensational Sherry, Wendy Richter, Luna Vachon. It just wasn't a place for for women to, to really like flourish. So my dad was like, you can't do that. You know, it's it's just you know, you'd have to go to Japan and it's dangerous. And like, my dad was just really protective of us, like most dads are. And then my dad started to see how popular women's wrestling became, um, you know, with Trish Stratus and Lita and Molly Holly and Jazz and Victoria and, you know, these women that really paved the way for it. So then all of a sudden, like, I just, I got the bug. And my dad went from saying, this is too dangerous, you can't do it, to my dad literally became my biggest cheerleader in it. Uh, Natty, and I know you from the day you got signed to the day you got called up and then just being there to watch your performance in the Rumble, like just that energy and excitement. You still have that. I mean, I love it with all my heart. I love everything about it. I I, I feel like I've been fighting for these moments my entire career. Like I've never taken any of my career for granted in WWE. And, you know, I, I am the longest tenured female that's you know, ever actively worked for WWE for 17 uninterrupted years, which is unheard of to have a career that long. And for me, the biggest piece of advice that I can give anyone, man or woman, it, it, as far as not just the career in, in professional wrestling, but just in general, is to approach every single day like it's your first day of work. Um, and that's something that I've always done. I always go in with that same energy, motivation, enthusiasm. I always bring ideas to the table, suggestions. I always try to think about what it would be like to be the new girl and how I can help the newer women in WWE kind of find their way. If you're a woman coming back from an injury, I always try to take that into consideration. Um, you know, I've had a chance recently to work with Liv Morgan and, um, you know, like kind of seeing like the light re like be rejuvenated in her eyes, her excitement to come back. I feed off of all of that. And then having my own ring has been one of the greatest gifts because it continues, continues to breed that excitement for me where I get really excited to work on stuff, but I also get excited to help others. And I feel like energy matches energy. Um, you, you know, when I see young, talented, hungry men and women come to train with us, it gets me excited. And I, I think about my own career and like, I just love it. I, I absolutely love what I do. And I think, you know, Taylor Swift gave when she when she was winning all those <laughs> doing all those Grammys. And she said when she accepted her speech, she said, um, I just love what I do. I love what I do. And that's why I keep doing it. And that's for me, like that's that's why I've been here so long. That's why I've been. I started wrestling when I was 18 years old. I started training with my family in the dungeon and the reason why I'm doing it is because I just love it and I feel good and I feel healthy and I love seeing other people thrive and I love thriving in it. 
you know, you mentioned about how much you love it, but let's talk about how much the fans love you. And then I, I make no bones about it. You are a foundation of what we see now with the women's division in the WWE. I wish you had more opportunities at championship gold, but that's just my opinion. But you did have opportunities and the fans wanted you. Talk about like when you were teaming with Tamina and how the fans rallied around you both so that you had that special moment. Because it's been a while since we saw you in that opportunity, but the fans wanted to see you in that opportunity. Our fans are so amazing because they actually have made so much happen for us. And we're seeing that right now with Cody Rhodes, whereas, you know, the powers that be, they maybe were going in a different direction, but the fans said, no, we want this. We, Cody deserves this. And everybody rallied, rallied behind Cody. I think for me, like, I've been so lucky to have such incredibly loyal fans. And when I look back to that situation with Tamina, when we were fighting to become the women's tag team champions, I, I fought for that really hard. And I always pick and choose my battles and everything in my life. And I fought extremely hard extremely hard for us to have that. I I just wouldn't stop fighting for it. And I, I, I said, Tamina has never held a women's championship in this company. And she is a cornerstone of our locker room internally. She may not get all of her flowers that she has deserved from all the years of hard work because that's just the way the cookie crumbled. But she deserves it. And I want to be there with her to celebrate her. And I want every match that we we had, I, I, I was like, I want Tamina to get the win if we ever won. If we lost, I was like, I can afford to take the loss. I've had a ton of wins. And my dad and Brett used to always say when they were the Heart Foundation, Brett, Brett said, if Jim, start, if Jim is the one that's losing on our team, if our team has to lose, it crumbles the team. So Brett would always take the losses as far as when they were a tag team, whereas my dad would, whenever they would get a win, Brett's like, Jim has to be the strong one because if the big guy, the tank starts losing, then it really affects our team. So for me, Tamina was somebody that never, I felt like she never got the same love and flowers and opportunities as, as, as she deserved. And so when we were going through that with, with, with her and I as a tag team, it was one of my greatest, most hard-fought battles in the company, and I'm so proud of her for signing. There was a that was the year we came back. Um, Tamina and I had two matches at WrestleMania that year. We we had because WrestleMania was two nights, and it was during the pandemic when we just were reintroduced to fans. And I'll never forget 25,000 fans chanting for Tamina to win at WrestleMania. It's honestly one of the proudest moments of my career getting to watch her shine. It's awesome. Uh, when it's all said and done, how do you want to be remembered? I want to be remembered as somebody that built a foundation for the women's division. Um, <laughs> I, gosh, these are hard hitting, awesome questions. Um, I just I woke wanna, up too. I know. And <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so I'm a professional. But, uh, you didn't even drink his you coffee. Are such a professional. <laughs> I, I love Tommy. Um, but, but I want to be, I want to be remembered as a woman that helped build a foundation for the women's division and not just the women in WWE, but for women all around the world fighting for this dream, because it's taken a large group of women to get to where we are today, to have the things that we have today. It's, 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 it's about the women that fought for this in the fifties, the sixties, the seventies, the eighties, the nineties, the early two thousands, the women that were fighting for a revolution before this revolution was ready for us. Women like Melina and Mickey James and uh, Molly Holly and Victoria, um, you know, like those are 
those are women that don't always get their flowers. Um, you know, they deserve to be celebrated for helping lay down that foundation because we wouldn't have had the things that like we right now, the women were almost running out of first evers. We're running out. And that's a good thing. Like we've seen, you know, the first ever women's Royal Rumble, the first ever women's money in the bank ladder match, the first ever women's WrestleMania main event. Um, we're, we're first ever women's hell in a cell. We would not have got to where we are today without those other people that helped lay down a foundation. So for me to be a building block of this foundation that's been laid down, it's not just about all these awards or, you know, uh, championships that you win. It's about you. It's about giving back and helping build for the next generation. And I feel like especially with with having my my ring and and with being able to give back to the division the way that I am now even just welcoming Naomi back in the Royal Rumble being able to start at number 1 with Naomi it just felt like it just felt like it felt so meaningful to me and so powerful to me because I felt like she was really back and and I was able to give her this special moment and she was able to give me a special moment it was like two really close friends reuniting but to me I think building for the future is everything and I'm so proud that I've been able to do that from the start of my career until till now which has been almost two decades uh I don't think your career is ending you know I I know you're no. far off from your last match but let me ask you this because you're a writer you're a journalist would you love to be a creative writer for the WWE when your in-ring career is over? I will tell you, our writing team has an extremely challenging job because it's so easy. And my husband, TJ, always says this. Um, he always says nobody understands how challenging it is to book a show because TJ is a producer in WWE, but he works closely with the writers. He works closely with like, you know, behind the scenes. And he's like, you, you never know when somebody's injured or somebody gets COVID or somebody's working through a situation or, you know, somebody like we, we you know, injuries happen in, in, in professional wrestling because it's the nature of the beast, just like in any other sport. But I think the writers have such a challenging job because there's so many people that you're trying to please in it. And and I will be honest, like at times there's a lot of massaging of egos because everybody wants to be the best. Everybody wants to win. Everybody wants to protect their equity. Everybody wants to be on top. Everybody wants to main event WrestleMania. Everybody wants to be the one. But sometimes, you know, you need a bride and sometimes you need a bridesmaid. So I think the writers have an extremely challenging job, but, but I don't, but you never, never say never, you know, for me, I have a lot of really fun um, things that are, that are coming up that do involve, that involve writing and involve creating and involve, involve uh, me celebrating my career and celebrating everything that I've accomplished. So never say never as far as, you know, doing more within WWE, but I'm also excited about, I'm just so excited about growing. I think 2024 for me is the year of growth more than okay. ever before. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. Would you ever would you ever write a book on your career? I've actually I've actually just been approached about writing a book. Um, and I, you know, I was so impressed with the way Becky Lynch handled herself and as far as like her book and how she kind of talked about it. And like, you know, just in talking to Becky backstage, like she's really excited about her book. And I think it's a really honest look at her life and her career and her legacy. And, you know, she still has so much more life left to live, obviously. But to write a book, you know, um, at a young age and to talk about, you know, we've we've done a lot of living. Um, you know, from actually Becky and I, we met over 20 years ago, um, 
we met we met in Vancouver for a show called Supergirls. Um, and we kind of started our wrestling careers at the same time. So when I look back at all the living that we've done and the 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 roads that we've traveled and stuff, I think Becky's book is going to be incredible. But but yes, I was approached to write a book. I'm I'm uh, exploring those those <laughs> options of, as far as you know doing it. I I definitely will be writing a book. Um, and like I said, my greatest inspirations are the people that I work with. Becky Lynch. I love Brett's book. I thought Brett's book was beautiful. He he took ten years to write it. Um, and I, I said to Brett, I said, your book is so special. Um, it's so powerful because Brett, you know, when Brett was traveling up and down WWE, he actually kept a video um, like he would after shows, he would talk in a little instead of keep writing in a, in a diary, he would talk in a little like tape recorder and he recorded everything of his career like every night after his matches and I said to Brett I'm like to have the insight to do that to me is really really cool so I'm just I'm inspired to grow in 2024 and I'm like really looking forward to doing that and surprising you guys with some really cool things I love it and the one Oh, I'm sorry, Ty, but the one thing about Brett's book, which I don't even know if I would be able to do this, is that he talked about the good things, but the bad things, the pitfalls, the mistakes he made. He was extremely honest with his audience. That takes that takes a lot to open yourself up like that and expose your emotions like he did in that book. It's yeah. it's a lot. I think that's really important. If you're going to write a book, you have to be able to stand in the fire. You know, like, like, and that's the thing I do, you know, Brett talks about the things that, you know, he was proud of, the things that he wasn't so proud of, the life that he had on the road, how hard it was, the, you know, it was, it was very, very honest. And I, and I really like that because if you're going to write a book, you have to be able to take the good with the bad and everything in between. Um, but I also think if I could help somebody else on their journey, if I could share stuff like, you know, things that I've never shared before with people and things about you know, growing up and what it was like to to grow up in this incredible family, but also like when my dad was gone, my dad was gone most of my childhood. He was gone 280, 300 days a year, but just trying to provide for us. And I, when I was a kid, I never understood why my dad was gone so much. I just like, we always just missed our dad and we would spend like a, maybe 50 days of the year with him. And that's not a lot, wow. but I now understand that my dad was just doing everything he could to just feed us you know and my dad would work through injuries and he would work through all sorts of stuff because back in the 80s when you didn't work you didn't get paid you know so there's just a lot of things that i like i would love to reflect on and you know even with how my dad passed away um there's just so much i learned about it i've so i've learned so much since he's passed away and I just have a whole different respect and um, perspective on my dad's life and, and his death as well. Right. I was going to say Bret Hart's book made me cry. Uh, it's the only book to ever make me cry. Um, my last question is, and this is a good one, favorite heart match? I think my favorite heart match would have to be, I, I say this all the time, but Bret Hart versus Owen Hart, WrestleMania 10. Um, my favorite place in the world to wrestle is Madison Square Garden um, because it just has so much meaning for me and so much meaning for my family but I felt like that match was such a turning point for Owen in his career and, and Brett fought really really hard for Owen to have that match because it wasn't supposed to be Owen it was supposed to be someone else and Brett fought like crazy for Owen to have that moment. And sometimes you need somebody to fight for you. You need somebody to help you. And, and that it makes me even emotional talking about it, but 
Owen may never have had that chance to shine because he wasn't chosen. He wasn't picked to be the guy. And it's hard when your brother is Bret Hart and you kind of feel like you're in in his shadow. But Owen, we really saw we really got to see Owen come to life in in that storyline and in that in that match. And it was just such a simple, beautiful story that everybody could understand. Even if you're not a wrestling fan, you could understand that story. But it was I'm just so happy that Owen got that chance to shine on that beautiful stage and tell this incredible story with Brett. And when people tell me that they want to get into the business, you know, especially if they've never like, you know, they're they're an athlete and they're just getting started or they just got hired or like they want to start this journey in, in professional wrestling or if they're a student of the game, I say, watch that match. Watch Bret Hart versus Owen Hart, WrestleMania 10. Because if you're a student of the game, you can learn so much about that match and the simple storytelling in that match. It, to me, that's my favorite Hart family match. I'm so proud of both of them for that. Uh, I want to thank you for the time. I know you're super busy out in Saudi and like you always do such a great representative for the WWE. Uh, thank you for everything you've done in your career. Thank you for being a friend. And, you know, I can't wait for the next chapters. Like, you know, what you're going to do next in the WWE ring. What could happen after the book? Who knows? Maybe even a hosting gig on Busted Open at somewhere down the road. You never I'm know. I'm so down for that. <laughs> I'm so down. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And good luck today. Thank you so much. And the fact that I got Tommy up early is like, I just, that made my day. Maddie, come on now. It's you. It's so nice to see you. Maddie. So nice to see you. So nice to see you, Tommy. You guys Thank have you. a great day. And I'll you talk too. To you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye, guys. The Busted Open Podcast is now available on YouTube. This is Dave LaGreca, host of Busted Open, the number one pro wrestling show on the planet. You can now watch and listen to the award-winning Busted Open Podcast every single day on YouTube. Our best interviews, behind-the-scenes access, and some of our best content from the past, all available right now when you go to YouTube.com slash at Busted Open Podcast. Subscribe right now. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Jake from State Farm here, hanging out with Mel's Mow and Grow. Mel chose State Farm for small business insurance because his local agent is a small business owner, too. So she knew how to help him personalize his policies. And now, he's rolling in the green. Like a... Like a good neighbor. Guys, I'm trying to do the line. Oh, sorry, Jake. It's all good. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for $15 a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash busted open. That's mintmobile.com slash busted open. Cut your wireless bill to 
15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash busted open. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with factors, no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh Never Frozen Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Head to Factormeals.com Busted50 and use code Busted50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Busted50 at Factormeals.com Busted50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Formerly Curtis Actual Joe Anning joins us right here on Busted Open. Sir, how are you? And thank you so much for the time. I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on. That that music you just played gave me goosebumps. <laughs> I haven't heard that in a long time, man. <laughs> well, you look great. You look like you could jump right back in the ring again right now. Yeah, I've been uh, preparing myself, let's say, and um, you never know what's going to happen. You know, I haven't talked to anyone about it quite yet, but I'm just preparing myself, and um, I'm actually looking forward to getting back in the ring for a few more years, so we'll see what happens. I'm going to keep busting my butt in the gym and hitting the ring, hitting the ropes, get my wind going. It's been a little bit, so I got to get that. But, yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. And um, hopefully thing, everything happens out the way I want. So, Well, I mean, I know this personally. I mean, because so many of your contemporaries put you over, not that they needed to, but so many about a real in-ring general and stuff like that. And they were like, you know, he's taking some time off. It's cool to see uh, that you're able to take some time off. And then, you know, you, I don't even want to say you get the itch. It's and I know you know this. It's just different, right? Uh, adapting to the one, the real world, but then also like you miss your wrestling family as well. That's true, man. Um, I do from time to time do get the itch, um, but we're talking about families here, and I couldn't have traded this whole time I've had off for anything. You know, I've we're talking about families, like I said, and I've got to spend time with my family. You know, I have three boys, um, uh, fifteen, twelve, and nine. And uh, I've got to coach their, their their football teams, and I've got to go fishing with them. And I, that's kind of the stuff that was missed when I was on the road for 10, 15 years, you know. And um, they've had their dad present the whole time, and, and um, it's been great. And uh, But as they get older, they start talking. Like, even my little one, he's you know, nine years old, he still kind of knows. He watched me when I was in the ring, but. They're starting to plug at me like, Dad, you can still go. Let's go. You want to go wrestle again? You could beat him, right, Dad? But, yeah, um, I'm getting the edge definitely, and uh, we'll see what happens here. See, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that, Joe, because we just had Natalia on. She talked about, you know, growing up, she would only see her dad maybe 50 days out of the year because of all the traveling that he had to do. I mean, it's very, very difficult to raise a family and to be a dad and – to support your children when you're on the road as much as you are as a professional wrestler. Right. Yeah. Same with my dad, you know, I'm gone, you know, 
you know, home 50 days a year. Um, people ask me that a lot too. Um, was it difficult having your dad away from the home so much, you know, growing up? And I never really looked at him as gone. Really, like he was there. It seemed like he was there at all my sporting events and all this stuff. And he was there if I needed him to ask questions, always outside playing catch, basketball, whatever it was. So he was always present, it seemed like. But in reality, he was really gone, you know, 300 plus days a year. And I hope my kids kind of see that in me. And I, I don't know if they ever thought of me like, oh, dad's gone again. He's, we don't ever see him. I don't think they ever saw that. But it does, it does, um, it helps to have a father figure in the house constantly and stuff like that. But like I said, it didn't ever seem like that. He was told, like, he's a phone call away. Now you have all kinds of social media and all that stuff, like, like Zoom. But um, it is special that I get the chance. I got the chance to spend a lot of good time with my uh, my kids here in the last four four years. So, was it hard growing up with your father as a heel? No, I loved it. I still love it. <laughs> you were a heel then. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Like I remember, as like in elementary school, I was probably eight or nine years old, and they come down to uh, Minneapolis here, and he was at the time at a feud with Hulk Hogan. And uh, we got a chance with me and my friend to go out in the stands and watch. And my dad comes out first and I'm, I'm cheering. Like, yeah, that's my dad. And everyone around me is booing. And I'm like, what is going on? You guys don't like my dad. I couldn't believe it. You know, and Hulk Hogan comes out and I'm the only one booing. Everyone's going nuts. And I'm like, I couldn't, I couldn't get it. I'm like, why do people like this guy? I still don't get it to this day, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I've always loved the heels. You know, Even in the uh, ring, I'd rather be a heel in the ring, too. So, You know, one of the things that it still happens today, Joe, and I want to get your take on it. Did you like the fact that you had your own identity or would you have rather have had your family name when you were wrestling? <laughs> I think uh, I think everyone knows the answer to this question. I I've always wanted my name. My my last name means the world to me. The name Hennig. You know, and I fought it and fought it for the whole time I was up there. You know, um, granted, I, I fought it even when I became Curtis Axel um, after that Megillah, whatever it was. And um, they still, like, even Heyman tried helping me get that name, my name back. But I, they just wouldn't budge. Um, I was fine Curtis Axel. You know, you take Kurt, Curtis, and then Axe is Larry the Axe. So it kind of, it was cool. Like, that was fine with me, but I always just wanted to be Joe Hennig. I mean, when I was in developmental and, and FCW, I was Joe Hennig. I know I won the world championship there as Joe Hennig. And then once I got brought up, they just changed my name. I thought it was some kind of rib, but um, it wasn't. So um, when I come back, that's going to be a, um, something I'm going to work out is uh, I'm not doing anything except for being Joe Hennig. Um, I know the importance of the Henning name. I So does a lot of the nation, but especially where you grew up from your grandfather, like, I mean, a walking legend and you got to hang out with him all the time. And, you know, everyone knows like the toughness, but like, what was that like growing up with like, you know, a guy who most people feared, but also like loved at the same time. Yeah. Big Papa X. He's a, he's a teddy bear, you know, um, he was, he's really well-respected around Minnesota. You know, I go all the way up North, all the way down South and, and people can tell just the way I walk and the way I look. They can tell I'm a Hennig. You know, I see people in the gym like, hey, are you a Hennig? And they, like, bring up stories of my grandfather. You know, I always did this. And my dad, my grandpa was a commercial realtor, too. So 
they know them all, you know, from selling restaurants, bars, and all that kind of stuff. So, and when uh, after my dad passed and I got in the business, um, I'd come home on a Tuesday morning and I'd call him every day on my way home from the airport and just. You know, most of the time he'd, he'd bust my balls about stuff. And, you know, he, he's the old school um, mentality wrestler. So he would just, uh, you know, there's a difference between selling and dying and all that kind of stuff. But it was always good talks. And he was a big, big supporter of mine through my whole career. And he has missed some very, very much. But I still talk to my grandma. She's still, she's um, grandma axe. I got pop axe and grandma axe, but... Yeah, he's missed, and but um, like I said, he was a huge, huge supporter of mine, and he never got the name thing either with just be Joe Hanna, you know, but um, he didn't care. You know, he just loved seeing me out there and having him come um, at Money in the Bank. He came down and walked me down to the ring, and he just enjoyed it. He soaked it up. He, I think he was just a mark for himself. But <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but you mentioned that Minnesota area, Joe, like, you know, you know, me and Tommy as young kids watching the AWA back in the day, you know, your family was royalty. I mean, your grandfather and then even your dad, the, the classic matches with Nick Bockwinkle, like that AWA territory meant so much to your family and so much to the fans. Yeah, for sure. It, it was, it was awesome, man. Like, uh, look at all the guys that came out of AWA. You got the road warriors, you got my dad, like, and the, watching those epic match, matches like Nick Bockwinkle and the roll of quarters, Larry Zabisco, like, I love that stuff. I still watch it back to this day, you know, and um, I don't know. You, I guess you don't see as much of that nowadays, but I love that old school. And it was, I don't know, man, like, that's kind of what triggered a lot of fans to, to, to get interest in wrestling, I think. You know, people still talk about, you know, I go down and watch – uh, like I run in old timers at the, at the restaurants and stuff. They'll be like, oh, I went, I remember this time at the sportatorium down there and they do, uh, they talk about the crusher, uh, mad dog, Vashon, uh, Baron Von Raschke, you know, all those old school guys and, and um, Harley race, you know, all the, and even like guys would come back, you know, Ric Flair would come in, Hulk Hogan would come in. So it definitely put wrestling on the map, I think. Um, we had Cody on the show one time and he was just like, as a little kid, he saw it was a holiday and here come Arn Anderson and somebody else to the house. And he was like confused because he saw them attack his father and then dusty, which I love. He goes, well, that's the part of being professional. Uh, and if we fight, then we'll get like arrested or we'll lose our job. So we can't fight. <laughs> and he was like, Oh, Okay. <laughs> so like when you were growing up, did you ever have like, I mean, an odd moment where like, why is my dad hanging out with this person or something like that? Um, maybe a little bit, but I remember like uh, Hawk and animal would come over and Rick rude and, and, um, those guys would Barry Darso. They'd, they'd come over. But I remember at time, I think I was probably like sixth grade. Um, we just purchased a new house on the Mississippi river and, uh, the nasty boys and the undertaker came over and uh, me and my sister were freaked out, you know, like just like, Oh, the undertakers. We knew the nasty, boys. we know Brian knobs and Stag. So like we saw the undertaker, he's they're down by the river, checking out the water. And me and my sister are like looking through the curtains and stuff, freaking out like, Oh my God. Oh, but he sees us. So we'd like close the curtain really quick and run <laughs> off. But 
Uh, other than that, there's no like um, we never talked about like uh, if there was a guy that my dad was feuding with that came over. I don't remember any particular moment of that, but yeah, the Undertaker thing. I'll never forget that. That's pretty funny. That's awesome. Um, for your career, I mean, what were some of the favorite moments? I remember just like, you know, was it 2010 that time with the Nexus and how hot that was and where it kind of blurred the lines of you didn't know what was actually happening, what was real. And that's when pro wrestling is really so magical. Uh, what were some of the highlights for you? And I know you want to get back into the ring again, but what were some of the highlights for you in your career? Yeah, the Nexus thing was really cool. Um, me and, uh, me and Wyndham Bray got called out of nowhere. I, did, I saw him at the airport, and I'm like, what are you doing here? And um, he said, said the same thing. We had no clue what we were doing until we got to the arena the next day um, that we were joining the Nexus and jumping John Cena and all this kind of stuff. So that was awesome. That was our first – I mean, we did the NXT thing, and, and this was our first time getting brought up, brought up, you know? So we're – that was an awesome moment. So, like – that nexus thing was crazy especially with the first group that was the the original ones that came in i, I didn't know what was going on i mean I remember watching the monitor backstage going what is going on they're tearing the ring out choking out people and stuff like that but that was special because it was my first moment like legit in 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 the wwe finally so other than that dude i'll, I'll tell you i'll tell to the people all the time the greatest moment of my career was winning the intercontinental championship uh, father that I believe my father made famous. Um, and I won it on Father's Day. You can't take that back, you know, like that kind of stuff. To, it was tears running down. But when I got backstage, just nothing but tears, you know, like I guess uh, I had a bunch of family back home at my house watching and it was super emotional. Um, calling back home and everyone's crying. Like that was a special, special moment. I got the title hanging on my wall. Got people send me pictures where they, Photoshop me and my dad holding the title. Like it's it's amazing. So that definitely is the number one be, before anything. Awesome. Uh, Joe, I want to thank you. First of all, I mean, telling your story, sharing your story, you know, your family making that decision to to raise your kids. I mean, that's a tough decision to make, but you made it, and I'm, I'm sure you're glad you did. And we hope to see you back in a ring soon, man. That would be awesome. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. I'm gunning for it. All uh, right, Joe, wait, right before, hang on, uh, your favorite uh, Mr. Perfect match. Um, Man, I don't even know. There's so many I can. Yeah, they're all great. Got to be up there. What's that? They're all great. So yeah. They're all yeah. perfect, I should say. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, You know, I'll have to agree with a lot of people that 91 um, SummerSlam, Bret Hart, um, he had a good match, too. It's, I don't even know when it's from, but with uh, – with Roddy Roddy Piper okay. and they, it was just him in the singlet and Roddy like holding it and bouncing him around and just epic flippy Mr. Perfect stuff. And, and, uh, but I really enjoyed, I, like I said, I watched the AWA stuff back to this day and that Nick Bockwiggle match that you can't beat that just blood everywhere. And, and just, it looked like it was serious and real and you can't, I mean, you can't build a better wrestling match in my opinion. Tommy, what's your favorite? Uh, me versus Mr. Perfect on heat because I got to wrestle Mr. Perfect. Okay. I was going to ask you if you ever wrestled him. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's, that's awesome, awesome, dude. 
Joe, thanks again. Thank you so much for the time. We really, truly appreciate it. And please, you're welcome back anytime. Anything, anytime you want to promote anything or talk about you get back, getting back in the ring, we'd love to have you back on again. Thank you, man. I appreciate you guys, man. It's really, I, I look forward to it. I'm definitely on. Busted Open is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Catch the full three hours of Busted Open every day of the week at 9 a.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation, channel 156. Go to SiriusXM.com backslash Busted Open Trial to start your free trial today. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.